Hey, this is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. I didn't ask for this. You ever had something happen? Something show up? You didn't ask for? You just kind of look at God and maybe you look at the situation and you're like, I didn't ask for this. Why have I got to deal with this? This ain't, this has, I've never in, in any way insinuated that I wanted anything like this. You ever had those moments? I didn't ask for this. I want us to look at a story today. I want to set it up for you in just a moment. I'm going to read this one verse of scripture and then I'm going to build to this point. This is Genesis chapter 21, verse 13. This is God talking to Abraham. He said, but I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he is your son too. I want to tell you a story about a runaway girl. This girl's taken off. She's run away. She's tired. She's lonely. She's afraid. I'd imagine she's probably getting to a point she's hungry. Doesn't really know what she's going to find when she gets wherever it is the destination of the runaway is. She only knows what she left. And on top of all of this, She's pregnant. And if you can imagine this young lady, pregnant, alone, making a journey, running away from a past, running away from a thing, that thing could be whatever you want it to be. She's running away from slavery. She's running away from bondage. And she gets to a place and she's walking down a road and she looks over and on one side of the road is a river. And I can't really imagine, you can maybe put thoughts of what she may have been thinking as she looks over at the river and she says, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? How am I going to live? And now I've got this baby that I'm supposed to be raising. What in the world? How is this supposed to work? And all of a sudden she starts hearing voices. And I don't know if she thought maybe she's going crazy because when I think I'm hearing voices, I think I'm going crazy. And then I realized that it might have been myself talking to myself. She starts hearing voices. And all of a sudden, God starts speaking to her, an angel of the Lord. I believe that the angel of the Lord at this point is a representation directly of Jesus who we've never met. We're in Genesis. We're at the beginning. Jesus has not yet arrived on earth. He exists in heaven, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We know that the word, it it was there in the beginning when all creation was made. I believe the angel of the Lord literally represents Jesus. He shows up and he says, listen, 
You're going to have a baby boy. You're going to name him Ishmael. And whether you like it or not, you're to go back where you come from. See, leading up to the story of this young girl, Abram and Sarai, who we later know as Abraham, Father Abraham, had many sons, and Sarai, who we later know as Sarah, his wife, God made this radical transformation with them when he made his covenant with them and he changed their names. But before they were Abraham and Sarah, they were Abram and Sarai. And God had made this promise. He said, Abram, I'm going to make you the father of many descendants. There's going to be nations under you. Abram said, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize how old I am. And have you looked at my wife? And God's having this conversation with, with Abram at some point. Sarah's actually standing off at a distance laughing at God's conversation because she said, have you seen me? But God's made a promise. He said, I'm going to give you descendants that, that you look up to the stars and you can't count those stars. And in the same way, you won't be able to count the descendants. And I think like you and I sometimes try to do, Abram and Sarah, I thought, I'm going to be creative and I'm going to create God's promises for my life. See, we can't create God's promise that he's put on us. It doesn't work that way. Because God's promise that he's put on our life is so much bigger than anything you and I could ever begin to try to create on our own. You with me? Man, I ain't preached in four weeks. I can go all day long. We cannot replicate the destiny that God has for us on our own. Sarah and Abram thought, well, I'm old. It ain't going to work. Sarah said, Sarah said I'm not going to be able to bear children, so I'm going to use my servant. Here, husband, have my servant. She's going to give us the children that we want. So Hagar is the servant. Hagar gets pregnant, and when she realizes what's happened, she's realized she's now been used by Sarah to try to create a destiny that's not even her own. She gets upset. I don't know if you've ever been used, you've ever been neglected, and, you know, kind of been made to do something that you didn't want to do. You kind of had something you didn't ask for. She lashes out. The Bible says that she started acting with contempt to Sarah, and, and she got upset, she got frustrated, she started, she started being disrespectful. And Sarah goes to Abram's like, look, my servant girl, she's acting out, I don't like this, I can't put up with this. Abram said, well, do with her what you have. Sarah gets this mind about her, and all of a sudden she starts treating her like ever-loving dirt. I don't know what the relationship really was like between Hagar and Sarai prior to this point, but obviously it had to have been decent. Sarai wanted Hagar to provide the kids for the, 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 the legacy, right? It had to have been somewhat cordial. It had to have been somewhat okay. And now this discord's come in, and now Sarah is, is treating her to the point that we find a runaway girl beside a stream that God's speaking to. Hagar, Hagar got to the point, she said, I'm done. I'm not putting up with this anymore. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this baby. I didn't ask to be treated like I've been treated. Peace out. I'm leaving. I'm going back to Egypt where I belong. 
And God stops her. In the middle of that journey, this is real short, sweet, to the point, but it was kind of mind-blowing for me the other day. God stopped her as she's running away from the thing she didn't ask for. And he said, you're going to have a baby. You're going to name him Ishmael. That's important. Because depending on what translation you read, depends on where you find this at. If you're reading a New Living Translation like I've got, God said, where are you actually headed? And Hagar said, well, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. The first thing the angel of the Lord said to her is return to your mistress and submit to her authority. You lost your mind? I just told you that's what I'm running from. And you've told me to go back. And the angel said in verse 11, you're now pregnant and you'll give birth to a son. You're to name him Ishmael. And my Bible says right here, which means God hears. It might be down in the footnotes of your Bible, but if you look, you find that the definition of Ishmael, his name literally means God hears. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this baby. I didn't ask for the coronavirus. I didn't ask for financial hardship. I didn't ask for emotional breakdown. I didn't ask for my babies to be so confused and in utter chaos about what they're about to walk into at school tomorrow. I didn't ask for this. And God said that thing you didn't ask for actually is going to be blessed. And what, what's going to happen is that thing that you didn't ask for, the thing you didn't want, I didn't ask for this. He said you're going to name that baby Ishmael because God hears the cry. He said go back. So she goes back. God's promise to Hagar was that he would bless her and multiply her offspring. It's interesting. Depending on what translation you got, that angel calls that dude some crazy stuff. He said, this son of yours will be like a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. I don't know if you want to read the King James version of that, but as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. But I just told you. Remember where this baby come from? Abram and Hagar. The verse that I opened up with, I told you. God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless your son of Hagar. He said, I will make a great nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he's your son too. Here's the thought. Here's what the Lord showed me through this. The thing that I don't want, the thing I didn't ask for, is what God's actually hearing me through. So here's what the last four weeks have, for us have looked like. What, what does it have to do with anything? So with the exception of this past week, our little clan of four has learned what it's like to have food line delivery groceries, which is interesting until they don't bring you all your hamburger. 
we've, we've really been in isolation. What started as what was supposed to be a two-week sabbatical vacation time to just kind of settle down and slow down and reflect turned into a quarantine because we were exposed to the coronavirus, which turned into you have the coronavirus, which turned into nobody has a clue what that means. I've been told so many different things. I've quit, and I'm going to be perfectly honest. Lord, help us. This is on the Internet. I quit answering the Cumberland County Health Department. Folks, I love you dearly, but they know about as much about it as I do. In the same day, we got five different calls telling us five different things about what our family was supposed to do and how we were supposed to quarantine. We quarantined. We did what we were supposed to do. We were sick. We got better. We've walked through Micah's mom and dad being very sick. And her mom, thank the Lord, I appreciate your prayers for her. She is finally recuperating, and she is much better. We lost Micah's grandfather on Monday to this virus. I didn't ask for this. I had this sermon written Monday morning. Monday evening he passed. It was that much more confirmation for me. I didn't ask for this. We've walked through it. Teachers are so confused. You think the parents are confused? Teachers are at an utter loss of what tomorrow looks like. Literally, tomorrow, August the 17th. They don't have a clue what's supposed to take place in this first week of school. You honestly, if you... We sit and awkwardly try to come into the church... We're some loving people. Right? We love each other. We wrap our arms around each other, kiss somebody on the cheek, and I'm like, why in the world did you just kiss me? We love each other. Right? We're being told, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. The doctor that I saw that did my test, he said, son, here's your uh, a round of prednisone. Don't take it. You'll be fine in two days. He said, here it is. Go to the pharmacy, pick it up, but don't take it. Sit it on a shelf. If your breathing gets worse, then go ahead and take it. Micah goes to the exact same clinic three or four days before. She's given a Z-pack, an inhaler. Wear your mask. I didn't ask for this. You go to buy a hamburger, and they ain't going to give you your change back. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask. <laughs> to put together one of the weirdest funerals I've ever attended on Thursday. Sweet, precious, we honored a fantastic man of God. You couldn't have went. People all over Harnett County were not able to go and pay their respects to him. It's weird. I don't like it. I didn't ask for it. 
got pastors that are losing their minds. I'm I, thankfully not one at the moment. Ask me tomorrow. <laughs> I was one of at least three or four that I know of that the same day that I said I've got to have a break did the exact same thing because we're on the verge of a breakdown. We're lost, just like you're lost. I made a joke. I was talking to a pastor. He started pastoring about the same time I did, and we're both doing some schoolwork. And I said, man, too bad there's not a class on pastoring through a pandemic. He said they'd have left out the hurricanes and earthquakes. I didn't ask for this. You didn't ask for this. Everything is different. Everything is weird. Some of it really stinks. Some of it, like people not coming in my personal bubble when I'm out in the middle of nowhere and they don't like there, that's kind of okay. Not you, we love each other, remember? Here's the problem. We are emotionally breaking down as people because we're a people that are supposed to be connected. I saw a video the other day and you're going to think this is gross, and I don't really care. <laughs> my sermon, I can preach it, right? Video popped up on my Facebook. Apparently this is a thing. I didn't even know it's a thing. There's a snake. The snake had snake mites. Which who even knew those existed? As if the serpent won't curse the nerf enough, there was mites to torment him. And the picture that I saw, which ended up being a video, was a plastic Rubbermaid container with a snake in it and some kind of fluid eating its own tail. That's disgusting. I get it. I started doing some research because I thought that's just weird. The name of it is Ouroboros. It's a Greek word. And it's actually a thing, and it's such a thing that there's actually a symbol, a Greek symbol of a snake eating its own tail, biting at its own tail. Here's what happens. Captive snakes are in isolation long enough. They go crazy. They take too much heat, and they can't handle the temperature. Their bodies start over-metabolizing. They're not hungry, but they think they're hungry. And they literally start self-destructing by eating their own tail. And that's absolutely disgusting, and it's nasty, and if you look it up, you do it at your own risk. But that really stirred me. Because I just told you, I've gone through some of the worst spiritual battles that I've gone through in a long time, if ever, not being able to physically touch and being stuck in a place of isolation is causing this nation to self-destruct from the inside out. I ain't worried about China coming and destroying us. Maybe I should be. I'm not, though. What I'm worried about are the cities that are destroying themselves. A little five-year-old boy in Wilson who was shot in plain daylight just because he was the wrong color. That's what scares me. I didn't ask for that. 
And if we allow long enough for isolation to keep us separated and we remain in captivity, taking on the stress and the heat of life, I'm afraid that we're going to go into the Ouroboros mentality and we're going to begin to destruct ourselves. I've been there. I've walked through some rough seasons over these last six months. I don't believe that any of us are very far from an Ouroboros mentality where we begin to self-destruct. And the problem is, I didn't ask for it. You didn't ask for it. But Hagar, the runaway, I'm done, come help me, please. Hagar has run away. Here's the two thoughts. First of all, the thing she did not ask for. When she cried out, God heard her. How do you know she cried out? Well, ties to the second thought. Because if you read that, she said, verse 13, they got it on the screen. Can you throw that up for me, Carter? She also said, can, is, that the, can you, is there a verse right before that? Like a first half of that sentence? There you go. Thereafter, from that point forward, God responded, God spoke, God said, you're going to have a son, you're going to name him, God hears. You got to go back. I don't care whether you like it or not. You've got to go back. You've got to submit to Sarah. You're going to be faithful. Humble yourself and submit to Sarah. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. She said, you are the God who sees me? And have I truly seen the one who sees me? How do I know Hagar cried out? Because God shows up where she's at. He didn't go to Sarah and Abram's house looking for her where she was. He didn't go to Egypt actually where she was headed. He met her on the street in her distress where she was at in this mess. To assure her that thing you didn't ask for, God's going to use it to bless you. He's going to multiply you. He's creating a legacy for you through that baby that you didn't need. You didn't, you didn't want it. You didn't ask for it. You had nothing to do with it. You were simply being obedient. And in your obedience, you got something that you didn't want, but God's going to bless it. God hears. God hears the cry. The second thought is, thereafter, she then referred to the Lord with another name. I'm closer to Jesus than I've been in a very, very, very long time. It's being real. Because when you walk through the thing you didn't ask for, and you cry out to the Father, and the Father responds, 
You no longer look at the Lord the same way. You no longer call him by the same name. The Lord is a totally different person at this point. He's the same. My perception has now shifted. Because that thing I didn't ask for, that thing that I don't want, God's going to use it to bless me and multiply me. And for generations to come, they're going to get back and they're going to say, Ishmael, that thing that, that Hagar didn't want, you look at the nations that have been born out of Ishmael. You look at the change. You look at what's taking place out of Ishmael. There are Ishmaelites. You read Joseph's story. It was the Ishmaelites that picked Joseph up out of the pit. God hears us, but he only hears us when we cry. And when he begins to shift our heart, and that thing I didn't ask for turns into a blessing, I no longer see him and respond to him the same way anymore. There's a different sense of honor. There's a different sense of love. I ain't eating my own tail. Because I know God hears me. And I call on him in a different way. It may be in some crazy way of me waking up in the middle of the night and taking my Bible. Literally, you don't believe me. Flop it on my head and go back to sleep. I don't care what it looks like. My Bible. It's been to war. The hard part, though, is enduring the test. Because God said, well, first of all, go back, humble yourself, and submit to Sarai. We can read this. If you read the rest of the story, it only lasted a season. Eventually, it got to the point God told Abraham, cast Hagar out of your house and let Ishmael go. I'm going to bless him. Don't worry about him. It's good. Cast him out. Let him be free. It was only for a season. It didn't last forever. She had to go back to the place that the thing came from. How does she even look at them the same anymore? How does she look Abram in the eye knowing what he had done? I didn't ask for this. Submit to Sarah? She's the one that put me in this mess? She had to go back to the place it started. She had to be faithful. She couldn't run from it. She had to be faithful. Through her obedience, it only lasted a season. So the question for me is, you've got something you didn't ask for. Maybe the coronavirus has done absolutely nothing to affect you. God bless you. That's fantastic. But there's something in your life you didn't ask for. I don't know what it is. You didn't ask for this. You did not expect life to end up the way that life is right now in this moment. You didn't ask for it. We love to play phase 10. I can't stand to get a hand without any wild cards in it. Give me the wild cards. I didn't ask for this hand. But what's so cool is, if you play the hand you're dealt, 
So often it turns out, and in the end, you can win with the one you're dealt when somebody's sitting across the table with five wild cards. I didn't ask for it. But I'm not throwing my hand of cards in the middle of the table and saying I quit either. I'm going to cry out to God because God is a God who hears. And when I hear him respond, I'll no longer look at him the same. I wonder, have you really cried and been broken though? I'm talking about just Lord touch the nation, touch, wipe out the coronavirus, help. I'm asking, has there been a place of a broken and contrite heart? God responds to the broken and contrite heart. Have you cried about the thing you didn't ask for? Father, Lord, I believe that this word was true from you today. God, I pray that it was communicated effectively so that it sit on somebody's heart. Maybe we're in a place where we're that runaway girl running from the thing that created this inside of us. Maybe we're, we're running to another place. Maybe there's something in our life I did not ask for. God, I pray today that our head be lifted up and we realize that you're a God of hope even though I didn't ask for it. I did nothing to deserve it. You're a God who hears. You're a God who's changing perceptions. You're changing our heart so that I no longer call on you in the same name anymore. Father, I believe that we all here today would agree that I didn't ask for this. We didn't ask for the struggle. We didn't ask for the trial. We didn't ask for our life to be turned upside down. We didn't ask for childcare to have to look completely different. We didn't ask to not be able to go out in public anywhere. God, we didn't ask for sickness. We didn't ask for death. We didn't ask for any of this through this process. But it's here. It's what we've got. God, and we're going to allow this hand to play knowing that you hear our cry today. Father, God, we come before you at an altar of prayer. God, we stand before you today recognizing that, that we're mere runaway people. God, we're lost, we're confused, we, we need clarity, we need direction, God. We know you're our savior, we know you're in control, we declare that, Lord, but I didn't ask for this. God, I cry out today for the families that are hurting, the families that are mourning because they've lost loved ones. God, families that are broken. Lord, our, our senior adults that don't want to leave the house, 
that they can't go out because they can't afford to get sick. Lord, they didn't ask for this. God, we cry out today. Father, we give you everything that we are. I believe just like you told Hagar to go back, submit to Sarah, go back and humble ourselves. Father, we stand before you today humbled. Lord, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to put up with it. I'm going to go back, God. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do what it is you've called me to do. I'm going to be the the man of the household you've called me to be, God. I'm going to be the father. I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be the provider. I'm going to do whatever it is you've called me to do. I'm going to be the mother. I'm going to be the teacher. I'm going to be the nurse. I'm going to be the dental assistant. Whatever it is you call me to do. I'm going to do it faithfully, Lord. But you need to know I didn't ask for this, God. Lord, I believe that as we recognize today and we cry out that prayer, I have no problem telling you, Lord, I didn't ask for this. I believe we can be blunt, we can be real, and we can be honest with you, God. You'd want nothing more than that for us to be honest and open so that you can respond. I believe your response today for us, Lord, is that you hear us. <laughs> you hear our cry. Lord, you know we didn't ask for it. God, we live in a sin-cursed world. We didn't ask for it. But it don't stop the call on our life to be faithful, to run with run the race of endurance with perseverance. Of course, shift our heart, shift our eyes today as we recognize you hearing us meet with us. Let us hear you speak, God. Meet us right in the middle of that dirt road beside that river, Lord. Let us hear voices, God, from somewhere, whether it be in your word, whether it be an audible voice of God, somebody speaking into our life. Let us just know that you're here today. This baby's named Ishmael. I don't want it to be called the coronavirus. It's Ishmael because you hear us. You hear our cry today. And now our thoughts are shifted and no longer are we mourning. No longer are we broken. No longer are we going to be heard and we're going to be in the same mindset. But now we're going to realize that you are the God. You are Jehovah. You are Rapha, Father. You're a good God. You care about us. we, We cry out your name in a new way. You're the provider. You're the name above every name. The king above all kings. The beginning and the end, God. We now look at you in a totally different way because we recognize you hear our cry. We worship you, Lord. We worship your name, God. Yes, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. God, I cry out today for our kids. Lord, that are going to be walking into completely different environments. Lord, kids that are going to be 
virtual students are being opened up to a whole nother world of attack from the enemy. They're being opened up to a whole nother world of battles going on around them. God, we declare protection. We as a family, as a church family, are going to declare protection and your love and your grace. They need to know that they're important. They're loved by you and they're loved by us. Father, I pray that you touch every kid, every student, Father, whatever the age. Lord, I pray you touch every teacher. Every teacher that will have contact with any of these kids, every teacher that's in the building. Lord, I pray protection over them. God, I pray peace. Peace over their minds. God, in the utter chaos, the craziness of what's going on and what they're being asked to do and what they're being told they can't do, Father, I pray for your peace. Holy Spirit, let your peace rest on them. God, I pray for the administration of our schools. God, I pray you give them some kind of godly wisdom. I pray from out of nowhere, those that don't know you would have this divine revelation <coughs> and they would begin to make decisions that would be orchestrated the way you would have them, Lord. God, I pray that those that do have a relationship with you, they would humble themselves, they would cry out and allow you to lead them, understanding that the responsibility that rests on their shoulders is huge. The responsibility is the destiny and the education of so many kids. Father, I thank you today that you're a God that hears us. You're a God that cares. Lord, and today we walk out of the church building, looking at you and calling on your name in a different way with confidence, with hope, faith, knowing that although I didn't ask for this, God, you've given me the strength, the peace, the ability, the anointing to walk through it. I thank you, Lord. God, I pray that you bless your people. Bless them and keep them. God, let your face shine on them. Give them grace. Protect them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.